Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed Word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. We need corrections, amen. And we also need the directions of our Father, amen. And today we have our Father in the house, the man that God has prepared for this church and the leader of the raccoon diocese. And if you're excited to hear the words of God, we direct us, please put your hands together for our Papa. Drop and kill better somewhere, amen. I am a child of God. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we want to tell you we love you. And we appreciate your unconditional love for us. Thank you for drawing us close to your throne. For wiping away our infirmities, our transgressions. And dealing with us as if we are perfect. As if we have not done anything wrong. This is where we get our confidence from. So we approach your throne and we ask you to feed us. Feed us with the words of life. May our soul be nourished. May our spirit be renewed. My God, may our minds be tuned again to where you are leading us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You may take your seats in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. We are still in the season of feeding 527 and studying the book, How You Can Preach Salvation. And so I'm very glad about the scripture of the week, which is right on the mark about salvation. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Romans 1.16. So let's say it together. Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Romans 1.16. Hallelujah. Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans, wrote this in the first chapter. And prior to coming to this verse, he discussed the history of mankind and how mankind has stepped away from God. Hallelujah. In fact, one of the verses says that there was a point that, you know, man did not retain God in our knowledge. In other words, we, we decided to operate and pretend God does not exist. Hallelujah. But then that is why Christ came. And for those of us who have become believers, 
Look at the scripture. He said the, the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. To who? Not to the whole world. In fact, it is open to the whole world. But only a segment are going to benefit from it. Hallelujah. But the segment that benefits from it are the ones that believe. He said that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believe it. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. The reason why he says to the Jew first was because it was first preached in the land of Israel. When Christ came, only the Jewish people had the benefit of hearing it first. Hallelujah. And in fact, Paul went to preach somewhere and the Jews did not pay attention. So he ran to the Gentiles as he was ordained to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Hallelujah. But I have a question for you. Why is he saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? What would make somebody make such a statement? Is it? Yes. They believe in something you don't see. Hallelujah. When you, you, you are following God, you are following Christ, the world may think, actually, somebody who is a television executive said that Christians are losers. Amen. But, you know, I heard a story of a man who rejected Christ all his days, but on his deathbed, on his deathbed, he was calling for Bishop Dark to come and pray for him. Amen. And when Bishop heard it, he was surprised. This person has opposed the church. And then, and then the man started screaming, Look, they are coming for me. They are coming for me. They are coming for me. It looks like demons were coming for him. Amen. So make no mistake about it. That the world will package for you. The world will package for you and make it seem like following Christ is a waste of your time. And sometimes that is how it looks. When you look at how, especially young people, when people are having fun in the world and you are not partaking in what they are doing, they, they, you seem like you are, you are not hip, you are a loser. Hallelujah. But you see, you and I are supposed to be messengers of God, are we not? You cannot be a good messenger if you are not dressed for the role. If you are supposed to be a messenger of hope, but you are dressed like somebody who is looking hopeless, do you think people will believe your message? Amen. If you say that Christ is Prince of Peace, the one you are following is Prince of Peace, but then people look at you, you are not a person walking in peace. It, it, it bellicos, <laughs> morose. Your, your message must match who you are. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. That's why sometimes when they are leading praise and worship, you know, sometimes, you know, when you stand here and you see the people's faces, it sometimes it ministers to you. The, if you are, you are singing songs of joy, do you get it? But you are not joyful and you are, you are singing about joy. It's not convincing. Are you there? Are you listening to me? And so, when the scripture says we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, it's, that there is a, it's an implied, it's implied in the verse that some people have a tendency to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Hallelujah. But you have to tell yourself that if others are going to be ashamed, I, I am not going to be ashamed. Why would you not be ashamed? You see, you have to be convinced about something. You have to be convinced about something in order to convict somebody of it. You have to be. If you are given a message, 
Like a, there's a story of a, somebody who was on death row, and he was um, he was being prepared for his execution. And the minister, you know, because before they take you to execute you, a, a minister will come and play for you, a prison chaplain. So the chaplain came and um, was talking to him about giving his life to Christ about salvation and was singing some songs. I'm not going to try and sing that song because you might get offended because it's uh, one of those old hymns. Uh, but the way the minister was singing it and was talking about salvation, it was not with passion. Hallelujah. It was like the person was detached. Because some of these people, the, 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 the chaplain job is like a, it's a job where you sign up and you are paid. It's not from the heart. Amen. And so, and so the person was talking about going to hell. People who are not receiving Christ are going to hell. But he was t- talking about it so with no emotion, like he's detached from what he's saying. Are you listening? So it got to a point, the guy who is on the death row, he stood up and he held the minister's neck and said, look, my friend, if I believe half of what you are saying, that people who don't receive Christ are going to burn in hell, and that there's such a great love of God for forgiveness, he said, if the whole world was covered by broken uh, bottles, he said, I will walk barefoot around the whole world and preach this gospel you are preaching. But the way you are saying it, it, it is as if you, you are, your heart is not in it. Are you there? And then, and then he, he let him go. And the, the minister came to his, his senses. Because you see, when you are so used to something, you can, you, can become, you can become so familiar with it. Like, okay, Christ came to die for us and then... Uh, Whoever believes is saved and uh, you avoid hell and you go to heaven. It's like when you are so much into something, it can become so, you can become so used to it that you lose the emotion or the passion with which you need to have. Hallelujah. One day a, a certain pastor, a certain guy who was sent to start a church, he was preaching. He, his church was like maybe seven or ten people. And then as he was preaching, one member stood up and said, Pastor, the word that you are saying, that's it. But say it with some strength. <laughs> Amen. The church member stood up and told the pastor that say it with some strength. They said the word you are saying, that's it. But it is too weak. Hallelujah. When you and I as believers are not strong in our convictions about our salvation, that is when we are ashamed of it. Hallelujah. That is when you, that is, that when you have a, a brother who, who uh, says they are interested in you, but then don't want to see you and her in public. Pray about it. Somehow, when he's going for important events, he doesn't want you to be with the, them. That, that there may be something about you he's ashamed of. He doesn't want you to come along. Such a person, you must advance yourself. Amen. And that is how, in some instances, we have portrayed Christ. That we are happy with him when we need him. Hallelujah. But God, in this season of preaching salvation, how you can preach salvation, we are re-emphasizing the importance of our salvation. And look at the scripture. When the, after, the semi, after the column, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Whatever comes there is the reason why he is not ashamed. Is that not so? Yes. So uh, when it says for, 
Another word which could have replaced that is because. The reason why I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ is that it is, it is, that it is the power of God unto salvation. Hallelujah. And that salvation is salvation of your spirit, your soul, and your body, your total person. But it starts with your spirit, your innermost being. And so last week, we read Luke chapter 10, did we not? About the story of the good Samaritan. Let's read that story again. Because we are studying from the salvation message number 5 in the book, How You Can Preach Salvation. Let's go to Luke chapter 10 and verse 29. This is the story of the good Samaritan. Okay, he wanting to justify himself, he said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him. Are you there? And departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at his place, at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. I don't know the priest and the Levite, which one is more guilty. The Levite actually came and looked and assessed the situation. Do you get it? Assessed the situation and noticed that in order for him to help, it's going to take a lot. What is it going to take for the Levite to help him? Some money, his time. Some effort overcome. Yeah, so overcome. Okay, if the pastor didn't think it's important, why should I bother? Yeah. Amen. But the, the, the pastor, it doesn't even say the pastor came back. It kind of struck me that the Levite came to look at it. Sometimes that is how it is that people say they want to help you, but when you tell them the whole story, <laughs> you see that now you call them that they don't pick up anymore because now they realize that it takes a lot. Do you get it? Yeah, because initially they uh, uh, entertained that, oh, oh, you tell me. But then when they hear the details, that this one, I don't want to touch it. That is what happened with the Levi. He looked at the situation and walked away. Hallelujah. All right. And so now, but a certain Samaritan, a certain Samaritan, a specific Samaritan, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. You see, this particular message is on the segment of the book which emphasizes the love of God. When you look at the book, um, how you can preach salvation, it's divided into sessions, okay? If you bother to look at it. Session one is the pure message of salvation. Session two is the salvation and the love of God. You see, you cannot talk about salvation without emphasizing the love of God. The compassion, what will make somebody go out of their way? What will make somebody forget about their own agenda? What will make somebody leave what may seem pressing to them? And then turn and attend to somebody who is sick or fallen on the wayside. It is compassion, which is an aspect of love. Hallelujah. You see, you and I are the one that has been beaten and left on the roadside and left for dead. Look at what he did. He went to him and bound up his wounds pouring in the oil and the wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Hallelujah. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the, to the host, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. 
Hallelujah. Which one, which now of these three thinkers that was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, that showed him mercy. They said unto him, go and do likewise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So last week we established in the scenario of our salvation, when you read the story and allow the story to read you, I already said who the wounded person was. Who, who is that person? All mankind. Hallelujah. We were beat up by the system. We were beat up, as a friend of mine used to say, used, abused, and excused. And thrown away on the roadside. Hallelujah. And then, the good Samaritan who came, okay, so who are the Levites and the priests? The same righteous people, the religious people of the day. Because keep in mind, before Christ came, there was already Judaism. There was already Isaiah had written, Jeremiah had written, Ezekiel had written, Moses had written. It's not that they didn't have a Bible. The Bible they had was the what? Was the Old Testament. Hallelujah. They had a moral code. But then these same people who knew the scriptures, they were the very people who what? Challenged his ministry. Because there comes a time where the scriptures are something we learn only in our head. And it has not entered our heart. And Christ came as the word of God, the living word. Amen. Are you listening to me, somebody? And so, now, you and I are the people who have been beat up by the system, beat up by the devil, and rejected and left for dead. And then, there are other people who we were expecting help from. There are people in your life who, uh, Bishop Doug was saying that, um, some time ago, he, he, he went to London, he didn't have money, and uh, and then um, he said that, I don't know whether I was landing, but he said there were some people who had, he knew had money. He said he used to visit them like a circuit, you know, like a circuit preacher. A circuit preacher preaches in a, a visit a lot, of, a lot of branches. He said he used to visit them, hoping and expecting. Do you, do you have somebody that you know have, has something to give? And you go and visit, expecting they will give you something. So Bishop, that's why he used to visit these people because they know they know that he's a student and they, he knows that he, they have money. He said that he will visit and then, then as he's leaving, they will say, oh, have a, a safe travels. He, it's, like, it's like sometimes people that you know can help you, they rather turn a blind eye. Hallelujah. And in this world that we are, in this world that we are, one of the things that you have, you have to understand is that you see, if you have your trust in human beings, if, if you expect so much from human beings, the people that you knew that if nobody will help you, this one will help you, one day they will fail you. Hallelujah. That's why the book of Jeremiah says that cursed be the one that trusted in man and maketh flesh his arm. Amen. The only one who is reliable is God and people that God has entered their heart. Because people who's, who, who God has entered their heart, then they become instruments of God. Hallelujah. But then if it is not God, you are relying on, you are relying on people or relying on the system or you rely on whatsoever you are relying on, one day it will fail you. And so the Levites, the Levi and the, and, the, and the priest, they are like every other person that you hoped can help you. That you, you knew they had the ability to help you, but then they ignored you. But then the good Samaritan came along. Hallelujah. Amen. The good Samaritan came along. That 
the good Samaritan looked at the situation and, and saw that this is going to take a lot of work. Now, if there is anyone who will never give up on you, no matter what state you are in, if there is anyone who, who will not say, who will not say, this one, this person is too much. Amen? This person is, is going to take too much to help them. If there is anyone who will not look at your situation or look at your background or look at your history, look at what you have done or not done, but will not judge you, but will look, because sometimes, how many know that we judge people? Like when something bad is happening to people, sometimes instead of helping them, do you know what people think? They say it serves them right. This person, I know the person. They, I, know, I, know, I know, I mean, what they have done. And it's like they deserve it. Amen. All of us have done it before. That something bad happened to somebody and in your mind, you say that, yeah, I think it's about time they learn some sense. Amen. Because if certain things don't happen to them, how are they going to repent? Amen. Are you there? But we are serving a God. Who does not visit us with a list of the record of our bad things? Because this guy who left Jerusalem to go to Jericho, why do you live? To, how do you have to leave Jerusalem? Jerusalem is the city of God. The whole idea of leaving Jerusalem to go to Jericho is what? It's actually a false start. It's like, a, it's like from the very get-go, you're on the wrong path. Amen. But that is how life is. People make mistakes. Have you not made a mistake before? In your life since you were born, have you not made a mistake before? You have made a lot of mistakes. Uncountable mistakes. And so, what we are looking at is that there is no one in the world who is willing to take a look at you. Who is willing to say, I am ignoring all the glaring mistakes the person has made. And I'm, I'm not taking that into account. Look, in this present time, the person is needing my help. And I'm not going to bring back the book of records. Many of us, we are walking around with a book of bad records. You are putting, you have it in your pocket. As you are looking at people, you, are, you have a good memory. You see, instead of remembering verses, Bible verses, your good memory, you have used it to memorize people's sins. And people's bad things, that is what has occupied your mind. The moment you see somebody, when something bad happens, you say they deserve it. But not so the good Samaritan. Christ Jesus, he did not look at the man and say, you know, maybe that is the person's fit. Because that's what happens. When something bad happens, people say, yeah, they deserve it. Maybe that is their fate. Amen. Maybe they did something bad in the other life and now it is coming back to them. Hallelujah. No. He ignored all that and he decided to attend to him. That is who Christ is to you and to me. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me, somebody? Alright. And then he brought the wounded person to an inn. And last week, we, we mentioned that the inn is the church. Is that not so? And the innkeeper is the pastor. And so now, point number one in the book, if you have your book, page number 42. Like the man who journeyed from Jerusalem to Jericho, you are on the journey of life from birth to death. Hallelujah. Who has their book with them? All right. You are on the journey of life. Point number two, like the man who journeyed from Jerusalem to Jericho, you are on the journey of life and will experience various problems on that journey. Let's look at the scripture, Job 14, verse 1 and 2. This series is painting to us the journey that you and I are on as believers. Hallelujah. We are on a journey. 
A journey has a beginning and an end. Now, the thing about the journey of life is that you don't know when it will end. But if you are in Christ, you know God who is already in the future, who is already in your tomorrow. Hallelujah. But the reality is that this journey of life is often fraught with problems. So in Job chapter 14 verse 1, can we go there? Point number two is that you would experience various problems on that journey. Job 14, 1 and 2. Man that is born of woman is of few days and full of what? Full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleweth also as a shadow and continueth not. Amen. This is the reality of this life. That people who are very boastful and speak, speak big, big words, they haven't read this verse. People who think that they are on top of the world. If you have been around for a while, you see that people come up. I mean, I don't know. Even Let's even not talk about dying. Let's talk about money. Have you seen people who grew up and had so much money and they had so much power and in the end, before even they die, all the money seems to flee away and then they become non-entities. Because society exalts wealth and you are put on a pedestal and all of a sudden, when you're, you're no longer having so much money to lavishly uh, spread people and make people seem important, then they will lift you up like this, then they will drop you down in the bottom. Because when they no longer can get that benefit from you anymore, that's the end of it. Hallelujah. So you see, the Bible said that be careful of what you put your trust in. This journey of life is full of trouble. You don't know, you don't know what will happen. That's why in the parable Jesus gave, there was a man who was a custodian. He, he was taking care of somebody else's money. And then there was a day that he was called to come and give account of the money that he has been lending to people. And he realizes that a lot of people have borrowed the money, but they have not paid. And so he quickly went to them. And he made, said, you know what, how much do you owe my master? He said, okay, $100 million. He said, I, but I only have $50 million. I said, okay, let's write $50 million so that he can appear good to his master. So he cut it down, okay, and brought the $50 million. Do you get it? So now, after he's good with his master, next time this guy is looking for a job, what, where is he going to go to? The guy he had a deal with, hallelujah. This is how the world seems to run. People are cutting corners, people are doing this, but you don't know the person that you have the agreement with the next day, they may not be there. Hallelujah. Are you there, somebody? And so this is the journey of life that you cannot put your trust in anything material. Because the things you see is there today, tomorrow it may not be there. Money is one thing. Look at the scripture. He can't fall like what? A flower and face away. When they say flower, a word that comes to mind is beauty. Amen. If you, if you have attended a, an engagement ceremony, you will see that the groom's people, they will say, oh, we have seen a flower in this house and we have come in to talk about it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Look. I don't know, maybe we should find another uh, word. Because a flower doesn't last long. <laughs> Amen. 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 Man's life is like a journey. And it's like a flower, it looks beautiful, but you see that a flower has its season. Hallelujah. A flower has its season. And so even when you talk about beauty, there's a, there's a, there's a season where the beauty is at the highest level. Hallelujah. Amen. It's an uncomfortable topic. But that's the reality of life. Amen. You cannot place your stake on anything material. That's the reality. The reality is that on this journey, something can easily happen. 
And if you, if you stake your, 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 your whole investment in it, it would elude you. Hallelujah. So therefore then, you need to begin to value the spiritual life. You need to begin to value your salvation. Like the man who journeyed, who journeyed from Jerusalem to Jericho, you are on the journey of life and will experience various problems on that journey. Now, as believers, of course, we have to pray like on Friday. On Friday, where's Brother Rasmus? On Friday, were we not praying against these troubles? We were using the same uh, uh, points to pray. And we're praying that, okay, they say that there's trouble in the world. That does not mean as a believer, you should go and say, okay, trouble, come to me. Trouble, come to me. Trouble. No, 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 no. That's not what we are saying. What we are saying is that as a believer, you must now place your faith in God, knowing that the way the world works, the way the world works, okay, trouble appears on the way. So then you must do something to counteract it by committing your life to God, by inviting God to intervene in your life. Hallelujah. Otherwise, if everything you see is what you are just running after with no spiritual weapons, with no spiritual input, with no spiritual antidote, and you are just chasing things as they appear, then you are like little children who go into a toy store and they don't know which one to grab. Hallelujah. Point number three. Like the man who journeyed from Jerusalem in, uh, uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho, you are on the journey of life and you will need the help of God in this life. Hallelujah. In this journey of life, because of the troubles that are go- you are going to meet on the way, you are going to need the help of God. If, if you meet somebody and they say that, I'm I'm my own man. I don't need God. Tell them. Tell them. Because we are talking about how you can preach salvation. That in this journey of life, there are surprises. Even if you have a very secure job, it is not not guaranteed. Amen. I I used to work at a place, and a, a bank, a commercial bank, and the bank was taken over by another bank. And the bank that took us over, the headquarters was at Boston. They sent a senior executive from Boston. This is Elizabeth. They sent a senior executive from Boston to come and talk to her. Because you see, what happens is that when the merger has been announced, you have the risk of people who are in key positions, who are not sure how things will go. They can easily, quickly leave. And when they leave, sometimes what they do for the company, the company will suffer. So they try to stabilize the, the, the atmosphere. So that people will not suddenly leave. So this executive came from Boston to have a meeting with us. And he gave assurances that, look, we are going to keep everybody. Do you get it? (laughs) An executive with a a big title. He said, look, no need to fear. You see, he said that what we do and what you do, we we, we have some synergies. He used some some of these nice business words. Synergies and uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Synergistic uh, something, something. Business school people, you know, what, what, what was that? Complementary synergistic relationship. <laughs> he used all these nice words. That look, everything is cool. Can you believe that thing? I decided that, look, you should not trust man anymore. The way the man, you see, this man, he came from Boston looking very dignified. You see, you see sometimes when somebody is lying, Brother David, sometimes you can see from the way the person is speaking, you can see that they could be a liar. But this guy, you could never suspect that he, he, was, he was tricking us. But now the merger started rolling. And then it started with the people at the top. One senior person, he told me, Gilbert, you know, 
Rumors are that they are going to let some of us go. That he, he was nearing retirement. He said, he said, if they will keep me and put me on the roof of the building, just my office is on the roof. He said, I like it. I just need a few years of peace before I retire. <laughs> Do you see? That's what he said. He said, I don't mind my title. Do you know that they let people go? And uh, my very good friend, he, he was let go. When we thought that we were secure, by the grace of God, I survived. But what I'm talking about is that, you see, there's nothing that you can take, place your faith in so sure that this thing is a sure banker. No. The world as we know it is a broken world. That's why you need God's help. And so you are going to need God's help. John chapter 15 verse 5. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Amen. He that abided in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Hallelujah. Point number four. Like the man who journeyed from Jerusalem to Jericho, you are what? On the journey of what? Life. That has many troubles. God knows your troubles and has sent help in the form of Jesus Christ. Do we believe that? Sometimes it seems like our troubles are swallowing us up. Sometimes the practical experience that people are going through, it seems like if I have a God, where is this God? Amen. But God is bringing our mind back to the reality of God's intervention. Amen. Amen. That when Christ came into your life as a believer, he came for your spirit, your soul, and your body. He came for your total salvation. And God wants us, our faith to be renewed. That in as much as there is trouble in the way, God is sending help to you in the person of Jesus Christ. Say amen if you believe it. Amen. Jesus Christ did not come and die for us on the cross. Go to heaven and then go like this, lift his hand like this, foot like this, and forget about us. That's not truth. The devil will like you, make you think that Christ died for you and for your salvation and forgot about the rest of your life. That's not the truth. The truth is that he's interested in every little detail of your life. He told the, the, the believer, he said, look, he said, don't worry because a person that worries cannot increase their height by even one inch. And then the Bible also says that, it said that even the hair on your head are numbered. Hallelujah. Are you there? The hair, if the hair on your head are numbered, it means that the smallest, minutest part of your life is of interest to him. Amen. Amen. And so I want you to see that, you see, in your day-to-day life, please remember that Christ is as interested in your eternity as he is in your day-to-day life. And you must expect, you must expect an input by Christ into your life. Amen. Amen. But do you know what we usually do? What we usually do is that we prescribe to God how we want him to deal with us. Amen. We have our own prescription. Like you go to a doctor, okay? You go to a doctor and you are having, uh, how do you call it, uh, pain, God forbid, not you, somebody else, has pain in their feet. And then the doctor tells you, you know, what you need is that when you are going to bed, put a pillow at the top of the bed and lift your foot up. He said, no, I don't like that. Give me a pill. Because you are used to being given pills for what? Pain. But a doctor has diagnosed you as that this is what you need. You don't need a pill. What you need is to elevate your leg. Do you get it? Or the doctor may say, maybe the position of how you sleep 
you should adjust it. See, that is how we treat God sometimes. That sometimes, when we speak of salvation, when we speak of working, emphasizing your spiritual life, we feel that the solution God is bringing is not going to fix it. We, because we have our own solution in our minds. Amen. This is the account of Naaman the Syrian. So that's point number five. It says, like the man who journeyed from Jerusalem to Jericho, you are on the journey of life on which you help, on, you are journey life on which you need help from others. The help you need may not come in the way you expect it. Hallelujah. Let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. And we will, we will read that story and we will end from there. When we talk about we needing to face our Christian life, when somebody, they feel that maybe their marriage is not working, maybe they feel that their, their career is not working well, people feel that, okay, I constantly go from, uh, like a friend of mine said, I live from hand to neck. Because hand to mouth, at least, the, the, your hand reached here. Hand to neck is like less than hand to mouth. So it's like from here to here. <laughs> Amen. He said, you feel that your money doesn't always measure up. And so, such a person, they expect that you want to talk to them about money. A person who is always sick, they feel that you need to talk to them about their sickness. A person who, is, who doesn't have peace, who cannot sleep, they think you should talk to them. Can we go to 2 Kings chapter 5? They think you should talk to them about what? The, the sleeplessness. But in reality, God's beginning of his salvation and his input into our life, it starts with his prescription. That remember, before Jesus came, healing had taken place. Resurrection had taken place. But why did Christ then come? Why did Christ then have to go to the cross? Because God knows that the true lasting solution has to come from the spirit, from the innermost being. And often we don't want to deal with things of the spirit. When somebody is constantly having quarrels uh, at home, and you tell them, please, do you read your Bible? Do you do your quiet time? They say, what are you talking about? I've been reading my Bible since uh, Sunday school days. And, and, and uh, it, has not, it has not even helped me. Look, the reality of the matter is that the Bible that you are reading, are you taking notes? Are you asking, like I said last week, are you allowing the Bible to read you? Because you see, it's easy to read the Bible and find a verse which is about somebody else. Like this verse, I wish this person would read the scripture. But maybe the reason why there is constant squabble is that you yourself, you have not brought yourself to the cross yet. Christ has died for you on the cross, but the cross has not completed its work in you. What does that mean? It means that when you have come to the cross and the cross has completed its, uh, its work in you, you are humble. You are quick to see where you are wrong. Why is it that you are always looking for apology from somebody? When was the last time you apologized to somebody else? Because you never see that you are ever wrong. And when you know the Bible and you know Christ and you know, you know that what the word of God says, the word of God's impact on you will make sure that you, no matter where you are, you will change. Hallelujah. I have changed since I met my wife. I wasn't like this. Amen. I mean, single people, Brother Rasmus, you can be very spiritual. Where is Brother Rasmus? Stand up over there. <laughs> you can be very spiritual, but you see, when you marry, your true spirituality will be tested. Hallelujah. Amen. Because you see, it is not until you have the opportunity to get angry. That is when you can say that I am patient. You can say, I am the most patient person. But when you have uh, the opportunity, the opportunity to be, to be angry will come when there is somebody next to you who can get you angry. That is the only time you will know whether the word of God has read you, that not just that you have read the word. And the prescriptions of God 
often we push it back and say, this is not good for me. I want another prescription. I want something that will give me a good jolt. Like the guy who, uh, uh, back in the days when they had uh, what you call beepers were uh, invented. When beepers, there's a guy, you see the beeper guy. So the guy enjoyed the beeper so much. So the uh, person beats him, is ah, oh, beep me again. Beeping is what you are relying on. Look at the scripture. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great, what? An honorable man in the eyes of his master because the Lord has given them victory in many battles. We are talking about how the help God is bringing may come in another way. And often people reject God's help because it's not what they thought it would be. This is a classic account. Okay? Next verse. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive. A young girl from the land of Israel, she waited on Naaman's wife. So Syria is a neighboring country to Israel. And Naaman was a general in the Syrian army. And they had kidnapped or captured one of the people from Israel was a girl from Israel. Next verse. Then she said to her, her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman was a rich person. Naaman, Naaman was um, an important person. He was a general in the army, but he had a problem. How many know that almost every person that you meet, they have a lot of things going for them, but often there is one thing about them that they wish they could solve. Every human being has one thing that they want to solve. Hallelujah. So don't be too enthralled by what you see in the physical. A lot of people may seem like they have no problems. It's only when you are near. Because Naaman had leprosy. But he had had a lot of military victories. Hallelujah. Okay, so the little girl who is from Israel knows of the fact that there's a prophet in Israel who God can use to heal Naaman. And so she told her mistress. And the mistress might have mentioned it to the um, husband. Naaman went and told his master and said, that said the girl who is from the land of Israel. All right? So Naaman went to the king of Syria. And the king of Syria said, go now, I will send a letter. Verse number five. So the king of Syria sends a letter to Naaman. Okay? I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took him with ten talents of silver. Look at how much money they are sending. Ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. You see, this man was very rich. But his riches could not heal him of his leprosy. There is something you need from God that money cannot buy. And in as much as people are after something and the outward things, you must know that in many areas of life, only God can help you. And so, the king of Syria sends a letter to give to Naaman. Go and give to who? The king of Israel. Okay? Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, the letter said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. So the letter was addressed by the king of Syria to the king of Israel. And the, the bearer of the letter is Naaman. Do you get it? And so the king of Israel reads the letter. Verse 7, as it happened, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive? that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy. Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. Do you get it? 
The king of Israel says that, look, the king of Syria is trying to ask me something he knows I cannot do as a pretext to start a war. See, that's how people think. People in the world who only understand politics, who only understand physical power. The king of Israel, his understanding is that if there's going to be healing in the land of Israel, it will come from the king of Israel. But not realizing that the healing that what Naaman needed was not going to come from the king. It was going to come from a prophet who has been driven out of town. Hallelujah. In life, that is how it is. That the help will come from an unusual place. Don't have a mind that this is where the help will come from. God may use someone who you are not even expecting to bring you help. Hallelujah. So if you continue with the story, Naaman went... Okay, so verse 8. Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. And he went, he said to the king, Why have you torn your clothes? Please, let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went and with his horses and chariots. He stood at the door of Elisha's house. So now somebody showed Elisha. He had GPS. He went to Elisha's house. Okay, because Elisha said, okay, bring the problem to me. And Elisha, watch this. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. First of all, the man has traveled all the way from Syria. Do you get it? He has come to see the king. It's like traveling from where? Canada, Toronto. You have come to where? Washington, D.C. And Trump said, you know what? I don't do uh, leprosy. <laughs> Send that person to where? Uh, Reverend Alice in uh, Hanover, Maryland. Do you get it? Are you following? Yeah. And then the man goes to Reverend Alice, Hanover, Maryland. And then, and then Reverend Alice does not come out. He sends a messenger. He sends one of the ushers. Go and tell Naaman to go and wash seven times at a, what do you call it? A Chesapeake, Chesapeake Bay in Maryland. Does that make sense to you? Naaman was furious. What does he do? Verse 11. Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. So this is the prescription we have in our mind that sometimes you may bring an issue to the pastor. Okay? It's not all the time we will pour oil. But the problem you brought, you expected the person to ask you to kneel down, pour oil on you, and, and, and <laughs> make oil get on your clothes that you just bought for Christmas. No. Something may involve just a simple conversation and a prayer. But because some external something is not done, you think it's not powerful. Look at what the man is thinking. That he thought the man would come, he will, he will do what? Wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not Abana and Fafa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? So he said, go and wash in the Jordan. The man is saying, I have rivers in my country where I could have washed in. Then what happens next? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? Sometimes the prescription of God is something simple. As simple as, okay, you're overwhelmed. Let's receive Christ, the Prince of Peace. Close, the, close your eyes. Imagine Christ on the throne. Bring your problem to him. Say, Pastor, do something more powerful. 
I mean, I could have done that at home. But you see, the mistake you are making is that the pastor is a messenger of God. Maybe you can do it at home, but in that moment, if that is the prescription God is giving to him, that is what has been blessed by God for that moment for your solution. The man would have missed his healing if it wasn't for the servants. Hallelujah. The Bible says, So he went, verse 40, and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. And he returned to the man of God. He tried to pay the man of God. He said, no, I don't want your money. Hallelujah. But another time we'll talk about Gehazi and what he did. Put your hands together unto the Lord. Stand up to your feet. Let's bring the Lord an offering. But before that, let's bow down our heads. If you are here, you are not born again. This whole prescription of God, that unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It seems like it's not what you need. But I'm here to tell you by the word of the Lord that what you need is to give your life to Christ. That is the starting point. Thank you, Jesus. Pray after me. Thank you, my Savior. Thank you, my Lord. I believe Christ died for me according to the scriptures. And he was raised again from the dead according to the scriptures. I place my faith in him. He's my all in all. He's my alpha. He's my omega. He's my beginning. He's my end. When I'm confused, I will call on Christ. He's my savior of my spirit, of my soul, and of my body. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah to the king of glory. You may take your seats.